What are DDoS attacks? Commonly known as DDoS. What are botnets? What is botnet malware? Why is this in the news again? All that and more on this episode of the Cyber Sector 7 Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Reese, and in this episode we're going to be delving deep into botnet malware and DDoS attacks and continuing our series on what is malicious content. drinking today. Today, on this episode of the Cyber Sector 7 podcast, I am drinking a sun-kissed peach. It's good stuff. Really good stuff. I don't know uh, where you're at, but at the time of this recording, it is very cold, and I just froze my little fingertips off trying to drink this sun-kissed peach. And I'm sure you just heard my cat meow in the background. But let's go ahead and uh, get this episode started. So what are botnets and DDoS attacks? Well, to answer that, we're going to answer it in pieces. So let's define botnet. A botnet is a network of computers and or devices that have been infected by a piece of botnet malware, which allows the attacker to remotely control all of the devices infected. Now, botnet malware is like any other malware and is spread like any other malware um well i say that it's not like any other malware but it is spread and infects machines roughly in the same way now what it does is completely different than what a lot of other malwares do but specifically botnet malware is made to control the device and kind of take control of it like many other malware we've seen um but specifically usually what it's used for are ddos attacks so you'll a lot of times see uh botnet malware sent out in thousands and thousands and thousands of phishing links just hoping people will click them so that way they can get more and more and more bots added to their net hence the word botnet so they add all these bots and then they can hijack the the machine's bandwidth so think of it as one attacker or hacker or whatever you want to call them um, has control of a very large amount of bots all on a network that he can point the bandwidth of each machine at a specific target and that is what's called a DDoS attack now a DOS attack uh, denial of service is essentially uh, think of it like pinging a site over and over and over and over and over again really 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 fast with just one machine now back in the day if you would do that to a site uh it would knock it offline but or even slow the site down but with the use of uh, a lot of the servers we have now and really fast reliable internet speeds and technology moving and adapting dos attacking denial of service isn't usually seen as as a viable option anymore that is where distributed denial of service attacks come from so imagine dos attacks from one machine and then another machine and then another machine 
all from these different bots and all these machines that the hacker is taking control of. Now, they can range from anywhere from, let's say, a few, like 10 bots, to thousands, and, and they can really knock sites offline. So, so let's kind of define what a DDoS attack is here. So a distributed denial of service, or DDoS, attack is an attack in which the attacker has access to a large amount of devices and which can be controlled by the attacker. The device's bandwidth is hijacked and pointed at a target, such as a website or IP, I've even seen servers, um, nodes, devices on a network, PCs on a network, uh, routers, all sorts of things, but essentially all these bots are attacking this one device or this one IP address. And what this does is it floods it with tons and tons and tons of traffic. So a lot of times what this will do is this will slow the target down. So um, for instance, let's make an example here. Let's say you, the listener, uh, you have a website. And then you're all of a sudden getting way more traffic than what you normally would get. Let's say you usually get an average of 100 different users an hour. And now all of a sudden you're getting hundreds of users in a minute all coming to your site and it's completely random. That would be a surefire indication that you are under a DDoS attack or maybe a DOS attack. Um, so what this is going to do, usually since you're not prepared for that many users, uh, you're, you probably have a server that, or a web server with your website that isn't, uh, let's say, doesn't have the resources to handle that kind of traffic. So now it's going to start slowing down. And a lot of times it'll even crash it completely. And after it crashes it or knocks it down, this can cause tons and tons of damage. Uh, if it crashes it, you could lose your site completely. I've heard instances of people completely losing their site. That's why we have to remember to always back things up. Now, now that I have given you the definition of a DDoS attack and the definition of botnets, you are probably going to assume that botnets are mainly used for DDoS attacks and with the knowledge I've given you so far you would probably be correct in that assumption except for a few things you have to also remember botnets are still computers essentially slaves to the attacker or the one who has all the control so that being said what else could you do with a giant number of computers well, you could probably do a lot. I've heard and seen of giant botnet mining operations, where they create this piece of botnet malware that is meant to spread like a worm or virus. We have covered worms and viruses in a previous episode, uh, and take control of all these devices and then use them as crypto miner, crypto miners, usually for Monero because of its ability to stay anonymized. Another thing I have seen, especially in the botnetosphere, is what I'm going to call it for this episode, is what is called farming. 
Now, you may have heard uh, this word thrown around all over the place, and it's similar to the Monero mining botnets that we were talking about just a few minutes ago, but what, what I'm considering this farming is like, um, let's say, view farming or uh, listens farming or play farming. So essentially what this farming is, is the attacker takes control of all these bots and all these computers and then points them to go listen to, let's say, well, we're on a podcast right now, so let's say go listen to a podcast. So all these bots go listen to this podcast and hit play over and over and over again, which is going to get its views up. Or let's say... Maybe he wants to point all these bots to a SoundCloud song, so that way it'll be top rated. So all these bots will get the ratings for that up. And it's very common to see that, especially in the age of content creation, because botnets are being used now for more than just DDoS attacks. And as of recent events, in which we are about to talk about in the news, we're, we may be seeing a lot more variations of botnets and a lot more use cases for botnets as a very vital botnet malware script has been leaked to the public on GitHub. We will be getting into that in the news here shortly. But before we do, we need to go ahead and finish this section. So how can we become infected with a botnet? or botnet malware, and most importantly, how do we detect it? Well, the answer to becoming infected by it can be a complicatedly simple answer. You can get infected by it just like any other piece of malware, just like any other virus, just like any other worm, just like any other piece of malicious software. It could be a bad link. You could have just been at the wrong place at the wrong time. It could be a man-in-the-middle attack. Maybe it was a phishing campaign. How you got the malware is irrelevant at the time. Now, I wouldn't try to replicate getting the malware if you know how you got it. I would try to stay away from it. But you do need to know how to detect it. And that's just what I'm going to try to do in this part of this episode. So, let's go ahead and talk about the obvious way you can detect it. An antivirus. Most good antiviruses will probably do for this. Um, and from what I have learned, most botnets and, and DDoS attacks or just botnet malware usually follow the same protocols. So, that being said, they're pretty easy to pick up, so a good antivirus should be able to detect it and possibly even remove it for you. Now, we're going to get into removing it later, but right now we're just going to be talking about detecting it. But the first method that a lot of people use is just a good antivirus that can scan your system, locate each, each trace of the malicious piece of software, such in this case a botnet malware and remove it from your system that is usually people's preferred and easy method to detect it the second method is you can start even you may start noticing your device maybe bogging down and your bandwidth being used faster and more often than usual uh, you can also another method we're talking about here is you can also go to check your windows processes 
and could I don't know if you're on Windows or not but here's one way I have found it in the past is by checking my Windows processes so I go and I look and I check each individual piece of software and if I see something weird that I don't usually see using a lot of resources randomly just out of nowhere that usually means it's malicious now not always I would always do your research first but that could be a telltale sign that you've been infected another method that you may use to detect if you've been infected is the inability to update your system or even do anything with your internet at all it has completely taken control of your internet connection another pretty easy method to be able to detect that maybe something is up and you may have been infected is slower internet speeds so let's say let's give you an example here let's say you leave this infected computer connected to the internet probably at your desk as most of us do maybe your kitchen table wherever you're at in your house and you go to get on your phone on the same Wi-Fi and your family's on their devices on the same Wi-Fi and everybody's noticing that it is much much slower you may notice the internet is just bogging straight down and you can't really do anything and it's just being slow but your one machine is still on and connected and you've troubleshot everything you could do with your internet and it still keeps happening that me that could be a telltale sign that there's a machine on that network such as in this case the infected computer you left on your desk using up all of the bandwidth for whatever it is to be used for whatever the attacker may be using it for another pretty telltale sign that your device is infected could be unexpected shutdowns your computer can shut down or just reboot unexpectedly it could be a part of a botnet um, unexpected shutdowns are pretty common with botnet computers and I mean assuming there's no major hardware problems or anything like that um, it shouldn't shut down just randomly unexpectedly or you may just have a bad OS but usually this is a very definitive sign that something's wrong you're probably infected if you just keep getting these random shutdowns um, it is a lot of times the what we're gonna call master attacker here um, shutting it down and disconnecting it from everything so that way he can pull out and then reset everything after his attack has gone through so another pretty easy way and I'm going to be putting the link for this next one in the description for all of you to just have you may want to bookmark this write it down do whatever you may need to do um, but you can there are some free sites that I'm going to put in the description here that you can check your IP for any signs of botnetting so what and it's a tool called and forgive me if I pronounce this wrong but uh, Casper Sky it's gonna be checkip.caspersky.com I'm putting the link in the description but once you go to the site it scans your computer I'll, I'll just read off the site I'm looking at it right now is your computer a sim simda bot um, find out if your IP address is listed on the database of tens of thousands of computers that make up the simda botnet if your computer has been infected with simda it may contain malware spyware or adware now there are a, quite a few of these sites out there that scan for different types of malicious botnet code um, but this one checks for this specific botnet 
code and I'm gonna put the link to this in the description kind of open up a world of things for you guys to just go check and it'll scan your IP and tell you if you've been a part of this botnet um, because you know I'll, I'll, your IP address is always tracked when you go to different sites so they have access to that somehow uh, I don't know the specifics but it is a really nifty site and something you guys should add to your toolkit um, another thing that you way you could tell that you may be kind of uh, affected by a botnet is your firewall maybe if you have a firewall or your router may be sending you warning signs or you may be getting uh, a notification from your ISP saying unusual traffic has been recorded from your IP address that is another telltale sign that something is up so I would go ahead and try to detect it and try to find it and then move on to our next step which will be removing it now virus removal can be a little tricky if you know what you're doing you can go straight to the file if you've located it um, and just delete it from there and delete it from your machine now a lot of times this is done in something like the terminal or maybe the command prompt or even I've, I've heard people using PowerShell for this um, or sometimes you could even go straight to the file system from your your systems file manager and deleting the virus from there or it may be installed to your system and you might be able to uninstall it from let's say the control panel when you go to uh, I can't remember the name of the section under control panel in Windows but I think it's called uninstall a program under programs and features and you should be able to just uninstall it from there now that does not always work the first thing I would do is use an antivirus to remove it an antivirus can go in there if you give it the right permissions and completely delete it if the antivirus picks it up and finds it knows where it's at and knows what to do you can also if, if you're unable to do certain things like run that antivirus or run that program you can restrict access now the best option I have ever come up with from removing any virus ever is when you know you have a clean machine make a backup of your machine and then when this happens completely software reset the whole machine just a nice clean wipe like give yourself a brand new install of Windows or Linux or Mac OS whatever you, whatever system you're running reset it completely and get yourself a brand new fresh install that's going to wipe everything on the hard drive you will lose your data if you didn't back it up but you will no longer have that weight in the back of your mind telling you that could still be here personally I have been infected in the past by certain pieces of malicious content and what I did was just reset the machine I reset it completely didn't know how I got it but I knew it needed to be gone I don't always trust an antivirus so I just reset the whole machine myself and that for me was the best option and that's how I recommend going about that uh, I can't get too technical here with virus removal because that is a really really broad topic um, but I can tell you your best option is to just reset your machine completely give yourself a nice clean fresh install now while I was recording this episode I did reach out to a friend uh, Noah Axon he also goes by 
the hacker alias 4XONN. I don't know how he says that. I'm sure he will let me know after he hears that. Um, and just to see if he had anything he would like to say and like me to share with the show. And he said, Without knowing what you covered, botnets are a part of why I run Suricata and Zeke on my home network, Waza, and on my endpoints. Log4j turned a bunch of people's home-hosted Minecraft servers into Monero mining servers. Sometimes you get popped by opening an infected email attachment or downloading sketchy software. Other times it's a vulnerability that's exploitable. Other way, most of Oh, <clears throat> either way, most of the command and control protocols are well understood and IDs should catch them. From what I've seen, there are basically three families of goals. One, wormer spread. Two, DDoS. Three, cryptocurrency mining operations. And he sent that in to share with the show and I just wanted to thank him. If you're listening to this, thank you for sending that in to the show and letting me share that. I really appreciate that. Now, without further ado, we are going to go ahead and get into the news section of this show. So stay tucked, stay tuned, and here we go after an ad break. So, here we go with the news. Our first major story this week is a pretty interesting one and was sent in to me by John from the What the Shell podcast great show and i asked the discord channel is there anything anyone would like to hear me cover and he recommended this so i'm gonna go ahead and talk about it and it kind of did spark my inspiration for this entire episode which is the botnetago source code was leaked bless you my wife just sneezed i didn't know if y'all heard that um but the botnetago source code was just leaked and it was leaked to github and from what I understand, it's that's I'm gonna of course all the articles are in the description. This was on threatpost.com. The botnet go botnet source code has been leaked to GitHub, putting millions of routers and IoT devices at risk, researchers said. So in a Wednesday report, it looks like ATT's Alien Labs first discovered the apparently very difficult to detect malware in November of 2021 and now are saying that the readily available source code on GitHub is going to widen the number of attacks. So what we're seeing here is a large number of people globally are now getting their hands on very very dangerous botnet code and what this is going to do is widen the attack because now even newbies and script kitties can get their hands on this and now they can modify it to do all sorts of things and since it's so new most antivirus antivirus detection systems are not picking it up matter of fact in this article it it shows uh from virus total shows how AV programs, antivirus programs, give it a 3 out of 60 when detecting the malware's new variants. So it's it's not being picked up very, very often, and most antiviruses aren't picking it up at all, which is not good. So it's probably going to be a while before this is fully picked up and antiviruses can start scanning for this thing and everybody gets their hands on it. 
Um, but just stay safe if you're out there, and it's going to be very interesting to see what variants come out of this. Since it's so undetectable now, and it's brand new to, well, it's not brand new, but it was discovered in November. We don't know how long it's been around, but it's interesting now that so many people have access to it. So we're definitely going to have to prepare for all sorts of different attacks and all sorts, especially uh, a different variants. We don't know what it's going to hold. And we don't know if these variants are going to be crypto miners, if they're going to be farmers, or maybe just uh, DDoSers. We don't know. And right now it's kind of hard to determine what's going to happen. What the scary part is, though, is all of the newbies and the skids getting their hands on this and possibly using it for the wrong reasons maybe they have bad motives and maybe they could definitely turn it into something pretty bad i'm going to leave the link to this in the description as always but this is a definite read i would definitely go read this and familiarize yourself with it if this is your thing if this is your space now, this next story, something I'm actually very excited to share, and I promised you all we would keep up with this story together, um, is an update on the Julian Assange case. So, a court in the UK says Julian Assange can keep fighting his extradition to the US, which means that now he has a fighting chance to not be extradited to the US, and this is a great opportunity for him to even maybe gain his freedom again. Um, now, it's uncertain whether he'll get complete freedom again. He may never be able to touch a computer again, but we have to also think this is freedom of press. So this is a pretty big case, and now that he is able to win over his... He has the ability to get his extradition. He hasn't completely won the case, but he has the ability to fight his extradition to the U.S., so he may be able to stay in the U.K. Now... I did see, I was watching the news, now I'm not going to put a source for this because I don't even remember where I had seen this at, but I believe, and so like I said, don't quote me on this, but I believe a Mexican, the Mexican president even tried to reach out to the U.S. saying that he should be not extradited and just let go, just let go of the case completely. Now this is pretty common and we're seeing a lot of states and a lot of countries come together and say that he should be freed and I think the more we more countries band together on this the more global attention we bring to it and the higher chance Mr. Assange will get his freedom so that's that's pretty important I think to all of us especially if you're in this hacker sphere this hacker space if you believe in freedom of press and freedom of speech then I, I believe it'll be good for all of us to have him freed. Now, whether you agree with that or not, it doesn't bother me. But I think it's a great thing that now he will be having a fighting chance against the U.S. for his extradition. Our next big story is Apple releases iOS and macOS updates to patch actively exploited zero-day vulnerability. This is written on January 26, 2022. If any of you have an Apple device, you may have recently got an update. So I am seeing what happened is the vulnerability was tracked as CVE 2022-22587, and the vulnerability relates to a memory corruption issue in the IO mobile frame buffer component. So 
Uh, it looks to be a zero-day flaw that was not only affecting iOS, but also Mac OS. So it is looking to be across all devices. So if you are an Apple user, I would go ahead and get the latest update and go ahead and put that on there. It looks to be a zero-day flaw, which can be exploited in the wild to break into its devices. I'm going to read straight from the news source here now and say... Let's see, the iPhone maker said, It's aware of a report that this issue may have been actively exploited, adding it addressed the issue with improved input validation. It did not reveal the nature of the attacks, how widespread they are, or the identities of threat actors exploiting them. So what we're seeing here is they don't know a whole lot about it. They don't know if it had been exploited before but they knew they found the zero day they know it was there and they did release an update for that so if you're on ios that's going to be ios 15.3 and mac os it's going to be monterey 12.2 with a fix for the privacy defeating bug in safari as well to contain zero day flaws so we're going to go ahead and close this one out i'm also going to leave the article for this in the description if you guys would like to go read more uh, but just remember pretty much to stay up to date on everything now our next one is as always i always add a breach in here and this breach actually kind of highlighted something i wanted to touch on for a bit is the california public office admits uh covid19 healthcare data breach so i believe that the title of this is a little misjumbled because i don't see much about covid19 on here but it's what it's looking to be was a misconfigured database managed by the california public office potentially exposed the sensitive medical information of citizens. Now, of course, that could lead to COVID-19 and information being released about it, but we don't know that for sure. I believe that is just a bit of a clickbaity title. Um, the County of Kings in mid-California announced that the security flaw in its public web server made limited information on COVID-19 cases available on the internet. Um, it looks like it was more than just that, though. We see different records that were being obtained by the county's public health department from the California Department of Public Health and County Healthcare Providers. So they launched an investigation and it determined that the misconfiguration resulted from an error made by what looks to be a third-party contractor. And it existed on the county's public web server from February 15th, 2021. And it was fully corrected on December 6, 2021. So that's interesting. If you're in California, you may want to try to check for that data breach. I'm sure they have something up there. I will do some research this week and put something out there for you guys. So stay tuned. And if I can find the breach, I will submit it to Have I Been Pwned if it hasn't been submitted yet. And that's going to wrap up this episode of the Cyber Sector 7 podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope my meowing cat has not bothered you. And you're always more than welcome to connect with me on Discord, Instagram, or you could even email me. The best way to get in contact with me is through Discord. So you guys want to go ahead and hop on that ser server, go right ahead. The link will be in the link tree down below in the description of wherever you're listening to this at. I hope you have a great week. I hope whatever you're doing, you're staying safe, you're staying private, and most of all, you're staying secure. Be safe, and I'll see you in two weeks.